Morning. Uh, my name is David Sorn. I'm the lead pastor here at Renovation Church. Uh, I would say about six or seven weeks ago or so, I was uh, flying to Orlando with all of our church planters for a church planting conference, and I was going through a security at Minneapolis-St. Paul, and I was watching as the guy in front of me got flagged for the extra security check. You know what I'm talking about? You got to go through that like creepy body scanner thing, right? And then they rummage through all of your stuff and your backpack. And I don't know what it was. I think I just was lost in my mind. And I found myself just, you ever do this? You're just kind of like <laughs> awkwardly staring, right? And I was awkwardly staring, probably pitying the guy that he had to go through all this stuff. Well, I walked through the metal detector. I'm getting my, my backpack. And that guy that I had just been awkwardly staring at turns around and he looks right at me. I'm like, oh no, this is so awkward. And he's gonna say like, what's your problem or whatever. And he looks me right in the eye and he says, David? David Sorn? <laughs> and uh, it was one of my friends from high school who I hadn't seen in probably 20 some years and I didn't recognize him at all. But here's the thing, as soon as he spoke, I recognized his voice. And his voice brought back all these memories. And I was like, Joey? Joey Williams? And we had this incredible reunion right there at the uh, Humphrey Terminal. It was incredible. (laughs) Sometimes in life, we just don't recognize people right away. And this morning, we're going to look at an astounding example of this in the Bible. So everybody grab a Bible. The Bibles are under the chairs in front of you or under your chair if you're in the front row. And I want you to turn to page 722. So last week, uh, we left off at uh, Luke chapter 24, verse 8. We're actually going to skip over verses 9 through 12 as we did a detailed talk through that just last year on Easter. If you're new around here and you want to listen to that, uh, it's a message called Nonsense, uh, and it's on our our website in our app. So we're going to be at verse 13. So you're going to want to find page 722, the big number 24, and then uh, verse 13 is where we are going to start this morning. Okay, here's what the story says. It says, now, that same day, two of them were... Lost myself for a second. We're going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. They were talking with each other, and these two are their followers of Jesus. They were talking with each other about everything that had happened. As they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself, this is the resurrected Jesus, came up and walked along with them. But they were kept from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? They stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And nowadays we'd say, and what planet have you been living on, right? And then Jesus says, says what things, he asked, <laughs> which is one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Okay, let's just pause there just for a moment. So keep it open. So you've got two followers of Jesus. They're walking seven miles home from the city. They've presumably been in town for the Passover celebration all week long. And they are now painfully aware, which they're going to describe in just a few verses, that Jesus has been crucified. He was, he was killed. And yet, even though they're followers of Jesus, they don't recognize him. And <clears throat> now what I want to do today is I want to give you three reasons why they don't recognize Jesus. Now, certainly... There's just a spiritual reality here of God's timing and what he's allowing their own hearts to see. But there are also some significant issues in their own hearts that are impeding their recognition of Jesus. So let's start talking through this. Here are three reasons these followers don't recognize Jesus. Number one, 
Number one is this. They were grieving, right? In fact, we're told they're sad. You see verse 17? It's the end of verse 17. It says, their faces are downcast. They just stopped. They're so sad. These are not the faces of people who just heard and believed that Jesus resurrected from the dead. No, they think he's dead. And so they're grieving. It is a long, long seven-mile walk home for them. You know, it's been said that the longest walk that you'll ever take in life is the walk home from the grave of someone that you love. It's a long walk, and they're grieving. And because they're grieving, they're just not in the right frame of mind to process what's happening. Okay, it's easy to like look at these guys and just sort of look down and be like, seriously, how could you not know it was Jesus, right? But just like put yourself in their sandals for a moment, okay? Let's say that you are just leaving the funeral of a loved one, someone that you just love so much, right? And you're getting in your car and you're driving home and to make a bad day worse, you run out of gas. So you're walking to the gas station alongside the road and somebody pulls up alongside of you and says, hey, do you need a ride? And you look at them and they look exactly like the loved one that you just lost. What would you think? You'd go, well, it's not them. It's impossible that it's them. It's just me, I'm grieving, I'm so distraught. Obviously that's like their doppelganger, but I just, I must just be losing it because I'm just so sad. And I mean, put yourself in their mind. Why would they think it was Jesus? They just saw him die. And so in their grief, they don't recognize Jesus. And there's an interesting parallel here. I think, how often is it in our grief that we don't recognize Jesus? I mean, I think in my own life, I'm not very good at this. In our grief, often all we see is our grief. We see our, our sadness, our pain, our emotion, And yet the Bible tells us that Jesus is always walking there with us. And maybe this is where some of you are right now. You're just dealing with grief. And if you are, what I want to ask of you is would you bravely open your eyes to this great truth from the Bible that Jesus has told you that he will never leave you He will never forsake you, and in fact, he is walking alongside of you right now. That is a beautiful truth from the scriptures. Recognize him. He is with you. Okay, let's keep reading our passage now. We're going to see another reason here in a second. So we left off at verse 19 where Jesus said, What things, he asked, about Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and our rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. They mean, save us from the Romans. And what is more, it's the third day since all this took place. In addition, some of our women amazed us. They went to the tomb early this morning, but didn't find his body. They came and told us that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Then some of our companions went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see Jesus. Okay, they still don't believe Jesus is alive. That's why they're still downcast. They just probably think, oh, somebody stole the body or something happened, right? But there's a second reason here why they just didn't and couldn't recognize Jesus. And the second reason is this. Number two, Jesus didn't do what they expected. 
in a sense, they didn't recognize the Messiah because they just weren't looking for the right thing. So let's start at verse 19. Look at verse 19. How do they describe Jesus? What's a word they use to describe Jesus? Anybody see it? They say, he's a prophet. So they're thinking of Jesus almost more like a Moses or an Elijah or a Jeremiah. They're going, yeah, super good with miracles, really good public speaker. But essentially, they're not getting that this is the son of God. Like, this is the savior of the world. And while they were, I guess, kind of thinking about a Messiah, even then they were thinking about the wrong kind of Messiah. That's kind of what I'm pointing out in verse 21, if you look at it again. They say, but we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. That means take Israel back from the Romans. And we've been talking about that, I feel like, almost every week of this series in the last two months. Jesus' followers were absolutely convinced that the Messiah would liberate them, would free them from the Roman oppressors. And so these followers, because they're so laser-focused on that, they miss the significance of what probably is the most important event of all of history, the death and resurrection of Jesus, because they're just so focused on, this is what we expect Jesus to do. They're going, well... Jesus didn't conquer Rome, so guess he's not the Messiah. Let's go home. They're so focused on what they expected him to do. And I just wonder, how many of us have missed what Jesus is doing in our lives simply because of those words? Jesus didn't do what we expected. See, because we thought for sure we'd have a job by now or that we would be married by now, or that Jesus would have fixed our family issues by now. So where are you, Jesus, we say. I just, to those of you who have been longtime Christ followers, I, sometimes I just wonder, how much of our lukewarmness in our faith is connected to this question? Like, Jesus didn't do what we expected, and so maybe we just... Stop passionately following him because of that, in our frustration. Some of you in this room have heard us talk about this concept before, uh, if you've ever been on an international missions trip with us. Uh, By the way, quick aside, uh, I am happy to announce that we are finally sending out our team that was supposed to go to Rwanda in the summer of 2020. I don't know if you knew this, but there was a global pandemic, it happened, and... uh, Our team is actually going to be going to Tanzania in eastern Africa in kind of late June, early uh, July. And quick aside to the aside, uh, we actually had a few spots on our team open up uh, this week. And so if you want to share the gospel with thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people in Africa this June, we have room for you to come. The only challenge is we got to buy our flights like uh, this week, and so you'd have to decide like the next couple days. But if you do want to do something crazy for Jesus this summer, you can. And so you just talk to Pastor Josh after the service or something. But here's the deal. If you've been on an international trip with us before, you've heard us preach. One of our trip themes that we always hit really, really hard on is we say, no expectations. No, you just can't have expectations. If you go into a missions trip with the idea that God is going to do A, B, C, and D, and he'll work through me to do E, F, and G, then you are absolutely going to miss what God is doing. In fact, I remember we were in Rwanda one time, it was, year, it was 2016, 
and we had this idea. We were doing a bunch of adult outreaches, sharing the gospel with thousands. But kind of during the day, in the morning hours, we had this idea how we were going to share. I said the Blatches right there. You were on the trip. Um, we, we had this idea that we were going to share the gospel with one to 2,000 kids, students, during the day. And we, we land in Rwanda, and we get there. And they say, ah, really sorry to tell you, but the Rwandan government decided they were just going to extend the school year, a year, another week. And we're like, you got to be kidding me. The kids are in school. I just remember being so frustrated. Uh, don't judge me. I like things to go a certain way, right? And so I'm so frustrated. And one of the team members came up to me and said, David, I'm pretty sure that you trained us, that we're not supposed to have expectations. So maybe, I don't know, maybe you shouldn't have expectations, right? <laughs> and so... We get there and we start talking, our, our people we worked with on the ground start talking with some of the schools and the administrators and they said, hey, why don't you just instead come into our schools and when the, all the students are gathered for the assembly, you share the gospel in the schools. And we're like, you can do that? <laughs> like, yeah, it's Africa, <laughs> come, come in. We're like, no way. And so we literally all week long in universities, uh, in high schools, middle schools, all the way down to elementary schools, our team would go in and they would share their testimonies, we'd share the gospel with huge groups of kids. In fact, we went in thinking, okay, here's our plan, we've got it figured out, we know how Jesus is gonna move, we're gonna share the gospel with 2,000 kids during the week. We share the gospel, I kid you not, with over 20,000 students that week. See, but if we keep insisting to Jesus, this is how you're gonna act in my life, then you're going to miss him. Let me just ask you, are you not recognizing Jesus? Is it possible that you're not recognizing Jesus lately in your life? Because you just are so laser focused on how he should act. You know, I just finished uh, the book Johnny. Anybody ever read the book Johnny back in the day? Uh, if you haven't, I recommend it. it uh, it's actually one of the best-selling Christian books of the 20th century. Always wanted to read it. Uh, finally uh, read it uh, a couple weeks ago. And it's the story of the autobiography, actually, of Johnny Erickson Tata, who, when she was a teenager, got in a diving accident, and basically she became a quadriplegic. She had no feeling, basically, from her shoulders uh, down. And at the beginning of the book, when you read, or listen in my case, I've just been a really big audiobook guy lately, and I was, I was listening to the book, and she is so distraught, obviously, by becoming a, a quadriplegic, that she goes to multiple healing services with her friends and her family, and they're just begging God to heal her body. And I remember I was uh, warming up for a run while I was listening to this part of the story, and I actually, I just stopped, and I had this thought, and I thought, what if... What if God would have done just what she expected him to do and healed her at 19? Now, for the 30 people in that room, that would have been pretty amazing, right? But for the rest of the Christian world, and I realize some of you maybe have never heard of her name before, but this is an amazing woman. She's gone all over the globe multiple times sharing the gospel with people with disabilities, started ministries like Johnny and Friends. Her books have been read by millions and millions and millions of people. If God would have healed her in that moment, then we wouldn't even know who she is. And you can ask, well, where was Jesus then? And I would say, well, he was right there with her, moving, walking along, doing incredible things, but if you're always going, God, you need to look like this, then you're going to miss it. And these two followers, they're missing it because they're like, well, he didn't conquer Rome. Must not be the Messiah. Now watch, Jesus is going to correct them, okay? So verse 25 now. It says, he said to them, this is Jesus, 
How foolish you are. So if you think Jesus only says nice cuddly things, here we go. How foolish you are and how slow to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Did not the Messiah have to suffer these things and then enter his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. As they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. But they urged him strongly, stay with us, for it's nearly evening, the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, gave thanks, broke it, and began to give it to them. Then their eyes were open, and they recognized him, and he disappeared from their sight. Then they asked each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. Remember, it's dark now. It's seven miles back, but they are so excited. They run in the dark seven miles back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11, the disciples minus Judas, and those with them assembled together and saying, it is true, the Lord has risen and appeared to Simon, Peter. Then the two told what had happened on the way and how they recognized or excuse me, how Jesus was recognized by them when he broke the bread. Okay, so let me give you the third reason now why they don't recognize Jesus. The third reason is this. Their hearts were slow to believe. This is verse 25 where he says, how foolish are you? How slow to believe? In fact, the Greek in which this is originally written in, it actually says that they are slow of heart to believe. Like we want... So many proofs, don't we? If, if you were here a number of weeks ago when we were talking about Herod, we talked about this, that so often we say, okay, God, if you're real, then you need to do this. But these guys, they have all the facts. Jesus is right in front of them. And yet their hearts are still slow to believe. And I would just say, my friend, that's, that's just part of the challenge of being a sinful human being. We're slow to believe. And so, okay, what do you do about that then? I think really there are three things here in this passage that are, are, are things that help open up their eyes. That's what verse 31 says. Then their eyes were open. There are certain things that are going to open our spiritual eyes more than others. Kind of like I didn't recognize my friend from high school at first, but when he spoke, his voice, that's what brought it all back. And so, what I'm going to show you here are what I would call three sort of spiritual eye-openers because these are three things that you just always want to keep in your life at all times because it's going to keep your eyes open to Jesus rather than your eyes just becoming blurry to Jesus. So I'll go through these pretty quickly. Here's the first one. I'm just going to call it Christian community. That's having other Christians actually a part of your life, knowing you, talking with you. The first thing that I think really starts to open their eyes is that they are walking together, they're talking together, and they're talking about Jesus. There's this famous verse in the Bible, Matthew 18, 20, where Jesus promises us, he says, for where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. And I think, isn't this story like an amazing fulfillment of this verse? There's two gathered together, talking in his name, and there Jesus as is with them, literally, right? It's a pretty amazing example. This is why one of our core values as a church is we know that our faith thrives in community, but it struggles without it when we're on our own, when we isolate ourselves. But what happens is if you get in, say, a house group, with other Christians, and you're talking about God, and God is a part of your life, you start 
to see him and recognize him more and more, and Jesus will move among you. Okay, second thing that happens. I've just called, these are three things that open your eyes spiritually. Good Bible teaching. So look at verse 27 again. It says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he explained to them what was said in all the scriptures concerning himself. So Jesus is literally walking them through the Old Testament and going, okay, let's just start in Genesis. Let me me show you how this points to me. By the way, this was the best Bible study in the history of Bible studies, in case you want to know, okay? And it's the word of God that begins to open their eyes. That's why we say, as a church, we put God first, That we, as the Christians of Renovation Church, we prioritize in our schedules Sunday morning so we can have the teaching of the word of God. We prioritize in our schedules just daily Bible reading because it's the word of God that keeps your eyes spiritually open to see what God is doing in your daily life. And then the third reason is just this, and this is so true, it's the power of God, okay? Finally, what opens their eyes, it's just this movement of God. They have this spiritually powerful moment when they're in the presence of Jesus. He's handing them the bread. And I don't know, maybe they saw the scars on his hands as he's handing the bread. But there's this moment where they go, ha, it's him. And now that they get it, and then he's gone. I sometimes uh, remember these uh, three uh, spiritual eye openers in even uh, a more simpler way. Uh, Our children's pastor here, uh, Hannah Summer, uh, who has just a faith that I really respect. Uh, She taught me this next concept a couple months ago, and it's just stuck with me. I think it's really good. She said this. She said, as Christians, we need the people of God, the word of God, and the spirit of God. You need all of those. If you're trying to do Christianity by yourself, not going to work. You don't have the Bible in your life, not going to work. You're not seeking God and experiencing him in prayer. It's not going to work. If you leave any of those out in your life, it's actually going to be harder and harder and harder for you to recognize Jesus moving in your life. But the inverse is also true. When these three things are all running in your life, rather than your heart being slow to believe, like these two followers, your heart with these three things running actually becomes quicker to believe. And you're gonna see what starts to happen is you'll start to go, oh, I see, that was God. I saw God doing this, and the other day I saw God doing this. You'll just be recognizing Jesus moving all over the place because you're having these things in your life that are spiritual eye openers. And let me just take a minute here to speak to a few of you that you're maybe just starting to recognize Jesus for the first time, or the first time in a long time. This is where I just love verse 32, where they asked each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he talked with us on the road and opened the scriptures to us? They're saying, didn't we know? Like we had to know, right? Didn't we know, but we just couldn't admit it. We couldn't accept it or surrender to it. Maybe that's you. Maybe you even, you came here last week and you heard me talk about how Jesus Christ is the son of God and how God sent him to die for your sins. And when he was dying on the cross, he was actually taking the justice that you deserve for your sins. And then if you believe that he died for you and you turn your life over to him and you you believe in him, you make him the leader of your life that he will forgive you and you can have eternal life here and now and in heaven. And maybe your heart even burned within you while I talked. 
but you just went home. He said, I don't, I'm not quite sure yet. Maybe your heart even has been burning within you all week long. Maybe it's burning within you right now. And I would say to you, what that is, it's the truth, but it's also God just saying, come on, come on, come to me. And I urge you, if that's you, accept Christ. We use that phrase a lot in the church world, accept Christ. What that means is you're just accepting the truth of reality. You accept that he did die in your place and you accept him and you receive him in as your savior and as your leader. And if you just need to do that and your heart's been burning within you that you do need to say, I am not good enough, I cannot save myself, I need to make him the leader of my life, then let's do that before you leave today and so your heart doesn't just keep burning another week. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so let's just let's do this. Everybody, would you just close your eyes just for a minute? This is where I'm just gonna give you the opportunity to just acknowledge maybe what's been happening in your life. And just bow your head just for, just for a minute. If you feel like I am talking directly to you and your heart has been burning and you do just need to accept him as your leader, as your savior, that he died for you, that he loves you, and acknowledge that you can walk with him right now. If that's you, in just a second, I'm actually gonna ask you to respond by just standing up boldly wherever you are to say, yeah, it's me, I accept. <laughs> I just need him to forgive me. I wanna be saved by him. If that's you, and you need the forgiveness of God to make him your leader, and you know it, and you know it, you know it. No one's looking at you, but would you just... Would you just stand up and accept that forgiveness right now? If that's you, go ahead and just stand. All right, amen. Who else? You just know you you need it and your heart's been burning and you need him to forgive you, amen, okay. Anyone else? Amen, all right. Anyone else? God is so good. He can save you. You can know him. You can walk with him. Anybody else just need to acknowledge that burning and just accept that this morning? Okay, as always, you can join them anytime. But for those of you standing, we always say when you get to this key, key point in your life, the Bible says we pray. We confess with our mouths, we believe in our hearts. So I'm just gonna pray. And if you're standing, what I want you to do is just pray this prayer out loud after me and everybody else will join in with you if they're a believer in Jesus. But just pray this from the bottom of your heart. So repeat after me. Dear God, I confess to you that I have sinned against you. But God, I believe that you sent your son Jesus to take my place. And God, I thank you for forgiving my sins. And now I commit to following you with my life. All right, for those of you, everybody else can keep their eyes closed just for a second. For the number of you that are stood or are standing, I believe this is the most critical decision of your life. And when you make a decision of this magnitude, you just gotta get more information. You can't go, oh, I'll figure it out from now. We wanna tell you what to do next. So you know, okay, how do I actually do this? And so just for a couple minutes here, what I want you to do, I'm gonna pray in a second. As I pray, I want you to just real quietly just sneak out of your row 
head out to the lobby. Our follow-up team will, will find you right as you walk. I'm going to come meet you in just a few seconds, and then I'm going to give you with our team just some really, really extremely important resources so you kind of know, okay, what is step one, two, and three in walking this out? And then you'll be able to sneak back into the row, your row. If you came with someone from our church, um, you have them come out with you as well. That would be so, so great. But this is just huge, and we're just so excited for you too, okay? All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray, and as I pray, you can go. All right, you can, you can head out. Lord, thank you so much uh, for what you just continue to do every single week in this church. We just thank you. You tell us in your word that your word is living and it is active. It penetrates joint and marrow. And we're just so excited. We get to see that every week in this room. And we just love you. We thank you. You are alive. And teach us, Lord, to recognize you walking with us more and more. In your name we pray. Amen.